there, and welcome to Season 8 of Build. I'm Arielle, and I'm taking over as your host this season to talk about product-led growth, which if you can sense a theme here, you know, we're big believers that the end-user era is here, and it's changing the way that top software companies are going to market today, and will continue to go to market moving forward. So I'm excited to chat with execs from places like Superhuman, Shopify, HubSpot, SurveyMonkey, a bunch of great organizations that are product-led, and and these folks are ready to share their learnings from pioneering this movement and product-led growth. So on with the show. Really excited to have Camille Ricketts from Notion here with us uh, on the podcast today. Camille, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you. So want to kick us off just by giving a little bit of background on yourself and on uh, on Notion? Sure. A little bit about me, because that's the easier part of the question. I have built a career in content marketing, which I feel is a discipline that is in the middle of coalescing in some really exciting ways. I wasn't always a content marketer. I started off as a journalist. Uh, I was at the Wall Street Journal for a while Went into my first marketing slash comms role at Tesla Motors, which was exceptionally challenging, but probably the most learning that I've had in my career at any one place and taught me a lot of what I know in terms of foundations of copywriting, which I then got to leverage at First Round, where I founded a publication called First Round Review. And the focus of that was to interview incredible operators about the specific tactics and actions that had made them successful across different tech companies. And uh, at the same time, I got to advise and learn from dozens of startups who were just building out their content functions. And so I feel like I've gotten a little bit of an advantage just seeing this discipline practiced across many different types of companies and different types of teams. And then at the end of 2018, when I was figuring out what I wanted to do next, I had the good fortune of crossing paths with Notion CEO and founder Ivan Zhao and asked him if he saw storytelling on the horizon. And he said, yes, right now. (laughs) And it would be great to talk to you about it. And I've been here at Notion for exactly a year. Uh, It was my anniversary on Tuesday. In the year that I've been here, I've been in the role of first marketer and not just necessarily content marketer and been able to build out a team that I'm really excited to work with. And we have all different types of focuses within the marketing function, um, which I can go over. But Notion itself is a productivity tool that combines the functionality of a lot of other essential work tools that you can think of, including Evernote, Trello, Google Docs, uh, Asana, etc., into a different type of interface that allows for really elegant collaboration. And uh, our primary use cases with Notion right now are wiki knowledge-based tools, project management, and then also shared collaborative docs. This poses both a marketing challenge and an opportunity where we want to be able to tell really crisp stories to audiences that are interested in all of those various solutions. But we also want to make sure that our core story really resonates with a very broad audience. So that's what I'm up to here, and I'm happy to talk more about it. Hope that wasn't too no, long-winded. It's perfect. And I actually didn't realize you had started the first round of review. That's uh, that's amazing. It's a, a great publication for for lots of folks. I know I read it every time. Oh, thank you for saying that. I'm really excited about the current team that they have over there, and it was a great experience. Would love to dig into a lot of you know the challenges and work that you've worked through at 
at Notion, some of which you were starting to hit on. Um, but before we dig into the specifics, one thing that I have to imagine makes marketing look pretty different at Notion versus other traditional software companies. One is the you know really horizontal nature of the product, which you pointed out. You know, needing to appeal to many folks rather than you know one specific vertical or persona. But another is the fact that your your product is mainly adopted in an organic fashion, self-service by end users. And so, you know, a lot of the the sort of traditional marketing tactics that you'll see in in a B2B software company just don't necessarily apply here. So to set the stage, would you mind just talking us through what the core pillars of marketing are in Notion's model? We have this incredible audience of people who are making all this organic content for us, and we want to make sure that that single player mode is still really elevated and supported and we're creating content and educational material and all of that good stuff for that audience specifically. We then have a middle pillar, which is the self-serve audience that you highlighted, SMBs, individual teams within companies, where the real goal there is for them to be able to come to our website or engage with our marketing materials, immediately understand how Notion can solve their particular type of problem, and then help them get started immediately building what it is they need. So a lot of our marketing is focused around user education there, not just necessarily attracting and engaging them. And then the third pillar of marketing is truly in collaboration with sales where we are going after full company deployments of Notion. That often is for the wiki knowledge-based use case. And we want to make sure that we're giving them all the materials that they need in order to make a really strong segmented argument to a wide variety of customers who might be able to use the product that way. There's three different pillars that marketing is engaged in, and we're pulling different levers within each one. And do you think it changes the specialties that you require on your team to break marketing down in that way and serve the business model that you guys have at Notion? Yeah, I I do think so. We definitely want to pay close attention to user lifetime value and making sure that we're acquiring them in really efficient ways. The content that we're producing only helps us aid in making sure that we're acquiring customers in really efficient ways. But at the same time, we see such healthy conversion from our free B2C audience to paid plans that we want to make sure that we're also giving them all of the resources they need to understand how they could expand their engagement. I think some of the efficiency that you talked about bakes into this, but one thing that I've heard about Notion that I think makes it really special in addition to its go-to-market strategy broadly is the fact that you guys are able to do so much with such a small team of, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, less than 50 people. With that being the case, I have to imagine that marketing is playing a big role in doing clever things to allow you to function so efficiently. What do you think is really driving that in the marketing function? Is it a mix of everything you guys are doing? Or is there one thing that you think has really enabled you to drive that efficiency? That's a great question. We do have a small team and I think it's not necessarily about efficiency as much as it is about being clever at this juncture. I'm sure there are things I can talk about that point to efficiency, but the two things that come to mind for me most, A, we have a designer and developer on the team, which is an unusual thing to have somebody 
with that skill set allocated purely to marketing, which has allowed us to build and iterate and test really fast. We have somebody who like works closely with me on content. His name is Corey Etzquar and he's extremely talented. And he is able to go back and be like, okay, how does the design fit our goals in order to tell this particular story? And then we can get it into the wild pretty fast. So we don't have to beg, borrow, and steal engineering resources for that. And that's super helpful. Highly recommend for a marketing function, no matter how young it is. And then the second thing is that we have a community manager named Ben Lang who is constantly stoking the fires of this B2C community that is creating a lot of content, throwing events in person, generating just a ton of momentum and word of mouth and ubiquity for us. And so it's almost like we have a ton of people on the ground that are constantly promoting the Notion story and we can be everywhere at once, even though we have a very tiny team. And I think the core of that program that he's succeeded at so wildly is what we call the Notion Pros, who are ambassadors that we've selected out of that audience, who we've brought really close to us and who have made it possible for us to throw some really robust events and do a lot more in all of those different geographies. I love the idea of of the Notion Pros. How did you guys come up with that idea and first launch it when you were getting started? I was really lucky to have Ben Lang come on board the team really early. He had been running a Notion fan site called Notion Pages, which was at the top of Product Hunt one of these days. And I was like, oh my gosh, who is this person? He was already a known quantity inside the Notion community. People were submitting their templates to have him feature them. They were having a lot of conversation with him back and forth. And he had a background in community building. He had worked a little bit at Slack, at Spoke, with Product Hunt. And he's the one that really said, you know, I think we could benefit really hugely from having this ambassadors program. And he was remarkably correct. How did he actually get started with that community and plant the initial seeds for what's now become a large group of Notion pros? So I think we were helped by him knowing who was most engaged with his Notion pages website. But for those that have not had the benefit of something like that prior it's sort of the same thing to look at who is engaging with you the most closely over social media and understand who's most vocal, who's in there defending your brand in a lot of these channels. That's been an interesting one for us where we'll see somebody throw out a criticism on Reddit and then 10 people will jump in and say, they have a very small team. (laughs) They are working very hard. And so understanding who those people were was instrumental to the program. But we really launched as an experiment last February where we put together just a very simple landing page talking about what we were looking for, roughly how we thought we were going to engage with these people, and then made a call for applications. We ended up getting multi-hundreds of applications and then chose 20 people to start with so that we could scale the program more thoughtfully. And with them, truly in concert with them, we figured out like what types of events resonate the best, what people are most interested in doing, how they want to engage with us. And we're actually in the middle of even doing deeper surveys with that group to make sure that we understand what their motivations are and how they could be best rewarded and what part of the journey they want to come along with us on. It sounds like user love is really key to being able to even jumpstart a program like that because you have to have those champions inherently and then just finding the way to actually activate them and give them more of what they're looking for is how you turn what are loving users into a community that's proactively advocating for you. Yes, definitely. I think that that's something that we are very determined to keep in at the core of our DNA. Because we think the atomic units of 
what we want to have Notion do for someone is for it to solve a problem in a way that truly delights them, makes them feel lighter, like some pain point that they've had has been eliminated for them. That aha moment is what we're going after for individuals at the crux of all of this. And I know you mentioned working hand in hand with them to figure out what sorts of events or benefits you could give to these pros to continue to strengthen this community and its impact. But how do you think about the incentives broadly that one has to continue to participate? Is it just having a support group? Is it meeting other folks in the community? Why do you think people are engaging in this way? Yeah, I think that it's an emergent complexity problem that early on people are very excited to have a closer relationship with the company, definitely excited to throw events and meet other like-minded people who are as excited about something as they are. And so the opportunity to build a platform that allows them to meet more people and build their own profile in some way is really incentivizing. I would say that there's a few things that can make community like this feel like they do have a more intimate connection with the company, like we give them the chance to try out new features earlier and be a part of beta testing and feedback groups. We do monthly AMAs with different members of our team with the group so that they get sort of the inside track of how things are working and what's coming down the pike in our decision-making process. And then I think that we have been able to come up with some really cool pathways for them to even build businesses based on their expertise with Notion. On our YouTube channel, you'll see a bunch of office hours that we've done with an extraordinary Notion pro named Marie Poulin. She just started doing hour-long webcasts for us where she would teach some part of the product for an hour on Friday mornings or teach people how to build something in particular. And she's been able to add to her consulting business in the process. So While we don't think that we have all of the permanent answers for how to keep the community engaged and we're sure it's going to evolve, those have so far been the highlights. I love how excited people are to be engaged with you all, but also some of the creative things you've done. It's not just hosting events, but things like AMAs and giving them more insight into your product roadmap. I'm sure that only fuels people's excitement even more and keeps them even more engaged. So that's that's really cool to hear. I think that honesty is a huge part of this, honesty and humility, where I think that brands can sometimes fall into a reluctance of wanting to be like, oh, well, we're not going to be able to ship that feature, or we're going back to polish this thing. We know that you're waiting for it. But in our experience, even our broader user base, not just our close community, responds really well to us being very human and how we're approaching creating the best possible product for them. Awesome. And that's actually a great segue, being human with those folks, to something I wanted to ask you about, which is just brand building in a B2B context. So historically, when I think about brand building, at least, I think of that as more of a core pillar of marketing for consumer businesses. But you guys are sort of bridging the gap between consumer and B2B. And it seems like brand building is pretty core to that. Is that true? Is this something that's rising in importance from a B2B perspective? Definitely. I would say that this is a huge trend that we're seeing enterprise-wide. And it was even starting when I was at first round. But I think that there's more understanding of two core trends. The first being is that people working inside companies have more power than ever before to choose tools that they actually want to work with. 
it's less of sort of a top-down mandate. Like, we are going to use Microsoft Office. People want to be able to use the tools that are going to complement them the best, extend their brains the best. So they're choosing other things like Notion, like Figma. And the other thing is that there's more understanding that the buyers within these large companies, no matter how big the organizations are, are at the end of the day, people who are going to respond to really good storytelling and really wonderful design. So I think that that's the driving force behind this trend toward more B2C tactics being used for B2B go-to-market. It's something that we really focus a lot of time and attention on, not just from a strategy perspective, but because we feel that there's something very special going on with the brand that we've built. I credit a lot of that to Ivan, the founder, who just has such a specific voice and tone that resonates in particular with this audience as something that I've worked really hard to help extend and pull through a lot of different things. But the brand to me feels very differentiated. And that's something that is really worth nurturing and cherishing and preserving. And I know you talked a bit about the community that you've built around you and how you've built the brand through that lens, both by leveraging them as an extension of your voice, but also by you know, building your brand directly with those folks. I guess as you take a step back and think about some of the things you've done to highlight Ivan's unique voice and more broadly build the brand of Notion, what do you think are the core things that one can do to build a differentiating brand? Yeah, that's a great question. I think given how accelerated a lot of noise is out there, particularly when it comes to content, it can be hard to think about differentiation. I think that there's two different things that you can do. You can either differentiate the co- the content itself or the mode of delivery of the content, but it really all starts with coming back to who your audience is, understanding them extremely deeply, like not just on a surface demographic level and then making some educated guesses about what it is that they want or need or are going to gravitate toward, but what are real problems that remain unsolved and how high stakes are those problems for them? I think that that's at the core of any exercise that you're going to do around differentiating a brand. You then have to understand what it is that you actually do differently from other offerings that might be solving similar problems. And you can't rely on things that are just puffy, like, oh, we're better at customer service. Oh, our product is prettier. Like it actually has to be demonstrable, provable things. And then I would say that you have to think almost in a problem solving sense where it's like, okay, well, I want to communicate this differentiated value that I think that we need to be able to provide given what our audience has told us. I need to be able to connect that to this larger audience that I want to build through the use of content and then solve for X, which is, you know, what is exactly what is it exactly you should be talking about and how should you be talking about it i think that very few people approach content that way they think to themselves like well i'm just going to flood the space with maybe a lot of seo style sort of volume and see how that goes or they think to themselves well, I think that the top of funnel is going to be motivated by us teaching people this thing or telling people that this thing is a priority. But if it doesn't come back to like what people are actually missing from the beginning, because people are not missing much. And so you have to really dig into it. I don't think that you end up with a differentiated strategy. And maybe to dig into something that you just hit on, which is really getting to know the person or the people who you're trying to speak to through this content so that 
it speaks to them and you know the value is really clear and hits home with them. You talked earlier about how one of the challenges of marketing at Notion is how horizontally applicable it is, right? And how you're marketing to a really broad group of potential customers. So when you think about it through that lens and trying to make sense of who your customer is, are there different types of characteristics that are common across all of your customers? Or do you segment the customer base when you're thinking about personas? We're really serious about segmentation. I think that that's a a big win for us. It's low-hanging fruit. All of our email onboarding, for instance, is segmented based on the key personas who we know could benefit and who we've talked to extensively about how they benefit from using the product. When we do get into creation of more branded content, I'm sure we'll take a very similar approach because I think you want to get to a level of specificity and that's where everything else stems from and segmenting is is the best way to get there. That can increase the surface area of the task ahead of you. So you need to think really efficiently about, you know, who is our beachhead market for this content? You can't say, oh, well, we have eight different customer segments. We're going to create really detailed, comprehensive content for every single one of them. You have to start somewhere. And I think you want to be really thoughtful about who are those people who are poised to be the easiest to convert, the ones who are going to recognize your value the most immediately and test your content on them first and then use what you learn from their responses in order to broaden out over time when you have more bandwidth. And when you think about going through this whole process of defining the personas, segmenting them out, testing things with you know different segments, and then applying learnings across the segments, it, it sounds like not only is this a lot of work, but it could take a good bit of time. As folks are you know, starting out building product-led businesses, building out their marketing functions, how long should they expect that it can take to really build a differentiated brand? That's a really good question. I'm not sure that I have one blanket response because it's going to be different for everyone depending on which sector they're working with and how unique their product is from the beginning. But I would say you want to give yourself some generous time, particularly when it comes to using content in order to reach this type of goal. The worst thing you can do is constrain any sort of content producer with very specific stringent metrics from the beginning. Uh, It's one of the most generous things that First Round did for me in particular was say, let's see how this goes for six months. Let's try a bunch of stuff and let's just be rigorous about knowing what success metrics would look like, but not necessarily be beholden to them to make all of our decisions. So I think you want to give yourself some latitude to see where people are gravitating and and also invest a ton of time in just listening because that's going to give you the biggest leg up if you invest the time earlier rather than having to go back and, you know, be like, oh, is this actually something people want or are interested in? So at first round, for instance, I really did start out by talking to a lot of founders and trying to figure out when they got stumped trying to do something, why wasn't just Googling for it going to be adequate? Like, why couldn't they find what it is that they really wanted? What was it they were still lacking in order to solve those problems? And almost all of them were like, oh, I, I would really love to take someone like Stuart Butterfield to coffee and just be able to pick his brain about how he solved this very particular thing that I am now facing. And so we ended up creating content that would scale that type of coffee conversation. But the only reason we knew that that was going to be a successful recipe, even as a hypothesis, 
was because we we figured out that that was a trend. So I would say that you want to maybe even give yourself like close to a year where you are getting to know the people that you're trying to serve super well and then trying a bunch of stuff based on the intelligence they give you. And only then when you feel like you've gotten sort of critical mass of evidence, figure out how to make it repeatable, whatever it is that is resonating. Basically, if you spend more time getting to know the folks who you're trying to target, you might be more more spot on with your experiments that you're running and get to an answer of what works faster. And so trying to shortcut that process is, is probably a, a mistake that's not worth making. Yeah, agreed. As you think about the segments that you go after at Notion, you know, with the product-led model, primarily starting with individuals and then potentially growing into their organizations, you know, you mentioned earlier different pillars of marketing, uh, some focused on self-service, other focused on sales and enterprise. Who is your brand made to appeal to? Is it that self-service individual user or is it the buyer at the ultimate enterprise once you've expanded within an org? I'm going to say something controversial and say both (laughs) Um, because we are definitely subscribing to this belief that the people who are buyers within these large organizations, and we know a lot of them, at the end of the day, they are human beings themselves. And human beings are most persuaded by a few things, by storytelling that is really good and delivered in a way that resonates with them on a personal level. And then also storytelling about others who they respect who they're influenced by, and how your particular solution or our particular solution has been used to solve problems for people who they admire or who they want to emulate. So I would say that the brand is going after both B2C and B2B using very similar levers, and that the brand itself is is meant to appeal to sort of a higher mind in some sense around what is possible to do with computing, what is possible to do with collaboration. And we see people in both of those audiences being inspired by that and the ability to create things flexibly. I guess maybe to wrap us up here, where do you see most product-led businesses going wrong in their marketing strategies? I think that there is an urge to hit critical volume, like really fast. Like I talk to content marketers all the time who have just landed in new jobs and I'll say, how's it going? What is it that you're struggling with? And the vast majority of them say, I'm supposed to drive X number of conversions next month. And I'm told that the best way that I could possibly do that is to run three to five posts per week. And I think that there's a, a lack of appreciation for how long content production can take, particularly really thoughtful, really uh, focused content production that gets to the, the crux of what an audience wants. And so a lot of companies hire one person who is responsible for doing this and are then questioning them why they can't also do copywriting for landing pages, social media, etc. Because they're like, you're a writer, you should write things. So I think that that's an area for improvement for a lot of companies. And then on the count of running those three to five blog posts because they think to themselves, well, that that's going to just put more out there that people can engage with. I think that there needs to be more appreciation for the fact that every single piece of content that someone could discover says something about your brand. And so you need to be very careful about, is this additive? Is this detractive? And not necessarily go for volume. I think that over time, quality always wins um, and is always differentiating because it's still a rare thing to, to subscribe to. So those are the few things that I think uh, as content becomes 
more of a distinct thing within companies, there will be more appreciation for that. And the ones that already have gotten there are the ones that are winning. I love it. I'm sure a bunch of listeners are uh, are thinking through their own content strategies as you talk about it. So appreciate the advice <laughs> no, on their that's behalf. That's not too candid. I mean, obviously, a lot of people are doing it well. But if I can save even one person a heartache, if they think that maybe that that was the approach they were considering and now they're going to consider something different, then I'm pleased. <laughs> Everyone's just looking to improve. So uh, so you can't be too candid. But Camille, thank you so much for, for taking the time, again, to share all of your insights from you know, your various marketing experiences and most recently at Notion. It's been, uh, it's been a real pleasure to have thank you. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to be here. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or really wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And please give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Outside of podcasts, we produce daily content on our blog, and you can also follow us on Twitter at OpenView Venture and subscribe to our newsletter that's sent out to over 100,000 SaaS operators every Saturday morning by going to openviewpartners.com forward slash newsletter. Until next time. <laughs>